0: Welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to series 14 and episode 2, in which Jesus appears to the women near the tomb. This is the second in our series which covers the accounts of the resurrection. We'll discover as we go along that in the Gospels and in uh, Acts and 1 Corinthians, with extra material there. There are 10 different resurrection appearances described. Most of them are, of course, in the Gospels, and that's where we're going to be focusing our attention for the most part. And we are now going to move the story forward, having heard the astonishing story about Mary Magdalene. The events that have taken place in the days immediately before the resurrection are remarkable and incredibly intense. Events moved so quickly that the participants found it very, very hard to come to terms with what was happening. On Thursday evening, Jesus was a free man with his 12 disciples sharing the Last Supper. But immediately after that, through the betrayal of Judas Iscariot, he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and immediately taken Uh, In the middle of the night, to the high priest's house, Caiaphas the high priest gathered the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, and adjudicated that Jesus was a blasphemer and a false Messiah who deserved to die. It was decided at that point that they would seek to obtain his execution at the hand of the Roman authorities as soon as possible. No time was lost. And at the very earliest opportunity, on early on Friday morning of that final week of Jesus's life, the Sanhedrin members and a crowd associated with them were at Pontius Pilate's palace and headquarters asking him to execute Jesus. He hesitated, um, but under intense pressure, he gave in and uh, agreed that Jesus should be executed and instructed his soldiers to carry out the execution, which took place just outside the walls of the city, a very short distance away. A large crowd gathered. Two others were executed with Jesus. And uh, we described the death of Jesus, uh, looking at it closely, in two episodes in series 13. And we ended series 13 with the account of Jesus's burial in a tomb, a tomb cut out of the rock uh, on the side of a hill uh, with a stone uh, placed in front of it. And Jesus was placed in this tomb by two men, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, uh, between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. on Good Friday evening. Jesus died at 3 p.m. And it was the Jewish uh, law that... Burials and any other work had to be carried out before sunset uh, when the Sabbath day was officially beginning in which no one could do any work and no one could carry out any burials. Now, the crucial thing about this burial was that it must have taken place fairly near the site of the crucifixion and uh, a number of women were present at the crucifixion. They're going to feature strongly. They are the main characters in our story today. Um, they watched at a distance as Jesus died. They supported Mary, the mother of Jesus who was there. And crucially, they observed the location of the tomb that enabled them to return to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning, Mark 15. Verse 47 says Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus was laid. Now, in our first episode, we looked at the story as told by John in John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. John told us the story of Mary Magdalene, one of this group of women who was at the Uh, crucifixion site who observed the location of the burial site and who came early in the morning on Sunday morning what we call Easter Sunday morning just as dawn was breaking and came to the tomb to find that the stone had been rolled away the tomb was empty and John tells us the story of what happens to Mary who rushes back into the city to tell Peter and John that the tomb is empty, they rush down to the uh, tomb. Peter enters, John enters, and they find the tomb empty and the grave clothes laid there. And John ends his story, verses 11 to 18, which we discussed in the last episode, by describing uh, an appearance of Jesus to Mary Magdalene while she was on her own. This is the first resurrection appearance. But in John's account... Mary refers to we, uh, a group of women. They're not described in any detail, they're not named. She probably came down to the tomb on her own and she left on her own to go and find Peter and John but the other women were around at a similar time and we're now going to follow the story of the other women in the group. If we look at the accounts of the different gospels we find slightly different descriptions of who this group of women were Matthew describes uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary Matthew 28 verse 1 Mark describes Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James and Salome Mark 16 verse 1 Luke describes in Luke 24 verse 1 Mary Magdalene Joanna Mary the mother of James and others with them and John describes Just Mary Magdalene, John 20, verse 1, and uh, a group which Mary describes as we in verse 2. And the reference in Luke is Luke 24, verse 10. Now, putting all this evidence together, we can suggest that a group of about six women came to the tomb. They probably didn't all come together probably Mary Magdalene came separately and we don't know in what groups the others came but they'd made a decision no doubt on Good Friday in the evening when they saw the location of the tomb that they would return at the earliest possible moment and for them the earliest possible moment was dawn on Sunday because uh, the day in between was the Jewish Sabbath Saturday to us and on the Sabbath No one was allowed to attend to graves or tombs because work was forbidden on the Sabbath according to the law of Moses in the Ten Commandments as revealed in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And the Jews still followed those principles and were quite strict about what was allowed to be done. Even walking out of your home uh, could could only be up to a certain distance before it became uh, Uh, a a form of work you could only go a sabbath day's walk a very short distance so on the sabbath day they couldn't do anything they had to stay in the places where they were living during uh, the passover they weren't of course in their own homes because they're all visiting the city of jerusalem so they waited and no doubt they discussed discreetly what they were going to do and they'd made a decision they were going to come as early as they could to the tomb. These women were disciples from Galilee. They had been traveling with the male disciples all the way from Galilee to Jerusalem. And if you follow the story of the earlier episodes, you'll know that Jesus spent quite a long time on that last journey between Galilee and Jerusalem. He traveled all the way around Samaria Judea and other districts in the center and the southern part of the country he was seeking to get the word about the kingdom of god out into all those areas that took time and the disciples went with him and these women were with him at least some of the time we don't know all the details we do know from luke chapter 8 and the first few verses that Uh, A group of women travelled around in Galilee with Jesus, of whom Mary Magdalene was one. So she shows incredible devotion to Jesus to travel so much to support him. So this group of female disciples from Galilee become critical players in the story of the resurrection. They suddenly come into the centre of the story. They've been in the background, hardly visible in the story, just supporting and helping Jesus and the other disciples. They were witnesses of the crucifixion. Not all the male disciples were witnesses of the crucifixion. We only know of John's presence at the site of the crucifixion. The other male disciples were scattered, were traumatised, distraught and confused. They were observers of the site of the burial and the tomb. And they came on that Easter morning to the tomb. We're going to take up Matthew's account. John's account featured Mary Magdalene. But Matthew describes a group of women together and how Jesus appeared to the whole group. This is a separate appearance from the appearance to Mary. Let's read the story. Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven And going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Now, I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. There were more than the women described in Matthew in this group, because the other gospel writers indicate the presence of other women in the group. And if we gather the evidence together That gives us a fuller picture they arrive at the tomb but there has been a violent earthquake which we mentioned before an angel of the lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat upon it according to verse two if we look at the accounts in luke and mark we find that they indicate that this earthquake And this rolling away of the stone had taken place before the women arrive. And this angel had an appearance like lightning and clothes white as snow. We'll comment on that a little bit later on. This was a terrifying experience for the guards who were there. And we're going to talk about the guards a little later on as well. These are temple guards which the Sanhedrin had sent on the sabbath to guard the tomb make sure that it was secured against all possible uh, grave robbery or anything else and so the women go to find the disciples in various homes and if we take john's account into consideration we realize that mary magdalene has gone separately from some of the other women and if we take luke and mark into consideration we know there are more women than Matthew mentions and as we gather the accounts together we just get a fuller picture of what is actually happening so there's a group of women here heading away from the tomb just as Mary Magdalene had done probably just a few minutes earlier on her own and they're going to find the disciples they'd have to go to various different homes in the city to find them because they were probably housed in various different places across the city and as they go then suddenly Jesus appears to them as they're heading away from the tomb, as they're going into the city. Perhaps just before they enter the city gates, Jesus appears to them and says greetings. An incredible moment, the second resurrection appearance, according to the combined testimony of the Gospels. Mary's had her own individual Uh, appearance from Jesus and now the other women are seeing him they came to him clasped his feet and worshipped him the sheer physicality of the resurrection is emphasized here something we mentioned last time and we'll keep mentioning this is not a hallucination this is not a mystical experience this is not a psychological experience this is not a dream that they were having while they were sleeping. This was a literal physical appearance. And of course, the first thing that occurs to them is to try and be sure that this is a physical Jesus. And so they touched him, holding his hands or his feet. And the physical nature of Jesus was immediately apparent to them. This was Jesus risen from the dead. This wasn't a ghost. This wasn't a spirit. This was the physical Jesus. This was the body of Jesus. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. He wants them to prepare to leave the city, although he's going to appear to them before they have the opportunity of leaving. But there's going to be a further series of appearances in Galilee in days to come, which we'll study in subsequent episodes. Now, there are two sides to this story. We're looking at it from the point of view of the women. They've experienced the resurrection of Jesus. They've spoken to him. They've seen him. They've touched him. That's the main storyline here. But there's a second storyline. What about the guards? They've been mentioned in passing in verse 4 the guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men when they saw the angel sitting on the stone. And the angel's clothes were white as snow, and his appearance like lightning. The brightness and the glory of the angel was an overwhelming uh, experience for these guards, these temple guards who come from the Sanhedrin and were carrying out their duty. What were they going to do? Where do you go? You're supposed to guard a tomb, which is now empty. There's there's nobody in the tomb. Uh, You can walk in and out of the tomb. You can see for yourself the stone's been rolled away by someone else, a stone that you're supposed to protect, a stone which had been sealed. They're completely confused, humiliated. Do they stay there? Do they go back to the Sanhedrin and the Jewish leaders? Do they go and talk to the Romans? Do they run away? Do they go to their homes? Are they going to be blamed for this occasion? No doubt they had some very intense discussions about what to do about the situation that they found themselves in because they were going to be in the spotlight. Jesus was such a central character in Jerusalem at the time. And if something had happened to his tomb and no one could find the body, then the finger would be pointed very firmly at these guards Had they fallen asleep and someone just come and stole the body while they were falling asleep or drinking alcohol or or disappearing from duty? All these questions would be flooding through their minds. But it appears that they decided that the best thing was to go back to their overseers, to those who employed them. And tell them what they'd found. And so we have the story in Matthew 28 verses 11 to 15. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you're to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. This was a moment of some despair for the Jewish rulers just as the women were going to tell the disciples in Jerusalem that they'd seen Jesus that he'd risen from the dead the guards were going to tell the religious leaders that the tomb was empty and and, and there'd been a strange appearance of an angel there and the chief priests and the elders thought about this carefully and decided they needed to uh, take strong action they bribed the guards with a large sum of money And the guards had to tell the story that they fell asleep during the night and the disciples came, stole the body and that they have got the body hidden somewhere. So this story of resurrection that may be uh, going around the city uh, would be countered with the story that the disciples have taken the body and hidden it away and it's just a pretense. Now the problem with this story is it seems incredible to think that God's given such a huge responsibility would just fall asleep. It also seems incredible to think that the disciples would come and steal the body. They were so demoralized, utterly broken by the traumatic experiences of Thursday evening and Friday morning and knowing that Jesus had died. They hadn't even uh, been Uh, at the site of the crucifixion, apart from John, as far as we know, would they have gathered themselves with such courage on the Sabbath, during the night, to uh, steal the body? Or the following night, the, the Saturday night? It seems so incredible. And how would they have moved the stone if it had been sealed it would have been a very difficult thing for them to do how would they have moved the stone without waking the guards if the guards are in the vicinity the whole story is so unlikely in practical terms and in psychological terms that it seems to us somewhat absurd but it was the story that they put out having been bribed And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Let's reflect on a few things that we can learn from this amazing story. This is the second resurrection appearance of Jesus. The first to Mary Magdalene on her own. The second to the rest of the group of women who initially came with Mary or at a similar time to Mary to the tomb. Mary got separated from them, but they had a remarkable experience of Jesus Christ. Thinking of the women, a concluding reflection uh, that I would make is to say that the utter devotion and courage that they showed to turn up at the tomb uh, at dawn on Easter Sunday is remarkable. They were still suspects for being associated with Jesus. They expected a guard there. They didn't expect to get into the tomb. They weren't strong enough to move the stone away. They had experienced terrible trauma watching Jesus die. And yet still they came. Tremendous devotion and tremendous courage. My second reflection would be this. Here again we see the utter physicality of the resurrection. They clasped his feet and worshipped him. They touched his feet in order to affirm and be sure this is a real physical person the resurrection was a truly physical event another reflection would be concerning the appearance of angels Luke 24 verse 4 says this while they were wondering about this suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. This is a very similar description to the one we read in Matthew chapter 28. The gospel writers describe angels without much explanation. Of course, all Jews at that time had been taught about the existence of angels. And most Jews, apart from the Sadducee group, believed in angels. They believed that God had another type of created being who worshipped him and served him in the heavenly realms, and that these beings were God's agents, amongst other things, who could be sent uh, into the world to fulfil God's purposes. Jews believed that, and they saw examples of that in the Old Testament scriptures, which they were familiar with. Angels are real beings, and these Jewish writers who write the Gospels um, had experience of Uh, these angels and they had heard, heard stories about angels there were many stories about angels associated with the birth of Jesus and the women told vivid stories of experiencing angels at the tomb they appear like human beings in some way and yet supernaturally powerful and filled with glory or brightness. This is why the gospel writers describe this incredible brightness about them. They had some of the glory that heavenly beings have, and which Jesus demonstrated, for example, in the transfiguration, when his whole being was filled with divine glory. Some of that glory was there. Some of that bright whiteness was there with the angels. They're not to be worshipped. They are created beings, they serve the living God, and crucially, they also serve the church and believers and the redeemed. This is stated explicitly in Hebrews 1 verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. They're doing the will of God for the benefit of those who are saved. And that's exactly what happens here. Angels are dispatched from heaven to roll the stone away and to appear to the women and to speak to them and to indicate to them what is happening and prepare them for the resurrection appearance that is about to take place. As we go through the resurrection accounts, we quickly become aware of the weakness of alternative explanations that have been offered for the resurrection of Jesus. Let me just make two comments about this that are relevant to what we've studied today. The concept of the stolen body of Jesus uh, is uh, clearly what the Jewish authorities uh, passed around the community as an explanation for the empty tomb. But We've already explained a number of reasons why this is improbable but there's an even greater reason which is that how come six weeks later when the church starts the disciples so confidently proclaim the resurrection of Jesus and convince so many people if they know it's not true and they know where the body is. And they know that Jesus never rose again from the dead. And they know that the cost to them could be their lives for for proclaiming this fact. The stolen body theory of uh, the resurrection of Jesus to explain the resurrection by an alternative explanation is weak. It's also very weak to suggest this is a hallucination or a mystical experience. The physicality of the event is firmly emphasised in the gospel accounts, as for example, when the women clasped the feet of Jesus and worshiped him when he appeared to them near the tomb. We're going to continue our story and see what else happens on Easter Sunday in terms of resurrection appearances in our next episode. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.